I was sitting, I was thinking, and we're talking now about Moshe Rabbeinu. So we really have to get into Moshe a little bit, understand who we're talking about. Not that I understand anything, right? I first wanted to say I don't know what I'm talking about. You know, Rav Nachman said, Tachas Hayadiyah Leida, the purpose of knowledge or the ultimate level of knowledge is Leda Sheinu Yodin to know that you don't know what the heck you're talking about. So Baruch Hashem, I have a lot of, I have a lot of people that help me understand that I don't know what I'm talking about. Baruch Hashem. Okay. So first of all, before we, I want to, what I want to do differently tonight, just to give format, I want to go through inside the Chumash, the first story is a little bit about Moshe Rabbeinu. Talk about it. Because it's very, I, I, I'm combining, what, what I'm going to do is go combining some Midrashim, which will go inside, Rashi and the Torah Tamim bring stuff down, which gives you, I think, a little bit of insight. Rabbi, um, uh, the historian. Um, Barrel wine. I once heard him speak, and he had an amazing speech about growing up in Chicago during World War II, and how he related his life a little bit to the story of Moshe Rabbeinu. And I think that that story, which I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it down, how he puts it together, really is us. We, we're not Holocaust survivors. We might be. Because we maybe were Gagulim, that could be, you know, very likely. But, um, but we are survivors. Everybody here is absolutely a survivor. I don't, where's my phone? I'm a grandson of a survivor. Yeah, no, but I, what I mean, I mean is a real survivor in life. Let me just get, I don't know where I put my phone. I mean, how could I give a sheer? How can I give a sheer without Google? I once heard from Rabbi Olbaum. Rabbi Olbaum is a super top He was at the bar mitzvah. This goes how long ago? This is at the bar mitzvah of uh, of one of the Shafrin boys. It's um, a long time ago. And he said every time there's a simcha, it's not really a simcha of only let's say of a bar mitzvah. It's a simcha of the bar mitzvah, but it's a simcha of the survival of the Jewish nation and that we're survivors. So it's a dual type of simcha every time you have a simcha, which is a, a very, very, very deep thought. Moshe was a total survivor. In the process that we're going to learn now, I also want to talk about Basia. Basia, she's such an amazing human being. And why, and there's nothing I'm going to say that you don't know. I may be, there will be, but, but I, I, don't, I don't suspect there'll be much that you don't know. But it's just thinking about Moshe a little bit. So let's start off at the beginning. The first thing it says over here, oh, if you have Chumash, it says over here. Vayelech ish mi beis levi, 
This is Perik, Perik one, Bayes, Pasuk Aleph. There was somebody from the house of Levi, Batikach, Vaikach, Esbas Levi. And this guy, go, this person goes and marries a woman from the house of Levi. It's a question for everybody here. Who, who were these two people? Who were these two people? They, Amun. they Amno, Amon, Amno, Amron, and Yochebed, right? <coughs> who were they? That's true. These were, this is Moshe's parents. They had separated. Well, they separated. Why? Um, Rabbi Yehuda Barzvina. Rabbi Yehuda Barzvina said, I have, this is, what I'm doing now is a beautiful sefer that everybody should own. They have it in English also. It's called the Torah Tamimah. What the Torah Tamimah does is it takes the Pasuk, right, the biblical verse, and right underneath the biblical verse, he quotes the rabbinic, the Gemaras. So all of a sudden, you think that I know the entire Gemara Sota by heart because I'm quoting it. No, I do not. But rather, it's written down here. So this Torah Tamima is like a connection between the Torah Shabbat, the written law, I mean the oral law, and the written law. It's so beautiful. So what it says, where'd he go? It says, and the man from the house of Levi went, and he took a woman from the house of Levi. Well, where did he go? He went to uh, Palm Springs? I don't think so. Shaholach be'et atzas bito. He listened to his daughter. That's already a sign of humility that you listen to your, to your daughter. Tony, we learned. Amram, listen to this. This is so interesting. Amram godol hador hoya. Amram, Moshe's father, was the leader of the generation. Uh, Moshe didn't come from regular people. He came from the... the he was like, like Moshe, Moshe Feinstein, or the Baba Trevor's kid. That, that's, that's who he was. However, Kibon Shegoza Paro, when Paro made that decree, that any boy that's born, throw him in the river... Omar, he said, Lashav Anu Amen, what are we doing? What are we doing? We're wasting our lives and energy. I'm going to go now, have a baby, go through all the tribulations of childbirth, being a husband of a woman who's pregnant for nine months. It's a big deal, right? You've had babies, right? Yeah. Is it an easy thing? Um, no. <laughs> I mean, we don't know, because we're not that woke. We're not. But, but apparently it's a big deal. So he's saying, I'm, what, am I, what are we doing? And not only that, let's say the kid like, survives a little bit, and then the baby's killed. Forget about it. Forget about it. Right? I don't need this. All my vigorous is Ishtom. So what did he do? He gave his wife a divorce. He didn't hold it as an aguna, but he, God forbid, but he, got, he gave his wife a divorce. Forget about it. I once met a person who was a survivor of World War II. I actually met his child. And he moved to the Andes Mountains to get away from humanity, just to get away. But he did get married and had a child who ended up going to Eshat Torah. But he, 
but he wanted away. He did not want anything to do with society. You could hear it. Now, once he he's the God of Hadorin. This is the problem. People look at you. People watch what you do. We don't realize this. This whole Gemara, this whole Chumash about Moshe is talking about how, how you don't know what, what your actions, they're so powerful. So he makes a decision. I'm not interested in being married and all the responsibilities that have to raise the children, then they're just going to be killed. Why should I get married and have children in the middle of World War II when I'm in the middle of looking at what's going on in Dachau and Auschwitz. What are, what are, what are we doing here? <coughs> what are we doing? That, that was what he was saying. He wasn't saying, remember the Gemara I, told, I, I went over with you guys about and Isaiah, and Isaiah says to the king, because he was very ill, you're going to die and you're not going to live in the world to come. And the king says, what did I do that's so bad? And the king and, and, and the prophet says, You didn't try to, you didn't have kids, you had no family. You know, now we're not talking about people who haven't found their mate yet. I'm saying that because I have three children. You know, we understand. That's not what I'm saying. You know, by the way, there are people, there are Shatchanan type of people that they would take this idea and say, no, 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 no. <laughs> No, new should be no, no, no. <laughs> anyway, but so the king says. So the king says, "You you know why I'm not having any kids? Because I saw prophetically that they're not going to be good people. I don't want to bring bad people into this world." Isaiah says to him, "Well, it's not your business." He says the exact words are, "Don't you should not be in God's kitchen. What's your job is your job." And what God's job is God's job. That's, you know what I mean? That's it. Yeah, I don't know if you remember. How many people remember this Gemara? So I'll just finish it off. So Isaiah, so the king says to Isaiah, I hear you. I'm, I made a mistake. So let me marry your daughter. Because I'm wrong. I want to get married now and have babies. And Yishayo says, too late. I'm not going to give you my daughter for her to be a widow in, a week, in an hour or two, whatever, immediately, you know. And at that point, the king, Piskio, says, leave, Isaiah, you can leave now. Your prophecy is over, because I have, a, I have a, 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 a tradition from, straight back from David HaMelech, I have a tradition that even if there's a, a sore, a, a, a blade, it says a cher of chada, which is like a, a super sharp blade on your neck, you don't give up. We don't give up. The Jewish people, the people who were in Auschwitz or wherever they were in those horrible places, they didn't kill themselves. It's interesting because I, I, we go crazy. If I would go home one day, I have, let's say I had to buy a new car. Okay. New car. I go home, I buy a car without power windows. <laughs> Do you know what would happen in my house if I didn't have power windows? Well, better than that, try no air conditioning. Just try it. Why not? Get yourself a car without air conditioning and tell the kids you want you you like the idea of fresh air. <laughs> see, see what happens. 
Yeah. Wait, by non-powered windows, you mean the ones with the cranks? Oh, That's crank. yeah. There was such a thing. It was a thing. Yeah, I know. It's hard to believe that there was a thing called a crank on the window. There was such a thing. I know because I I saw it in a museum. But there, there was such a thing. Yeah. That's what God says, you know. So the kids. So anyway, so he says over here. He says over here. I, as soon as he sends his wife away, you guys all know this Medrash, this is the famous Medrash. As soon as he sends his wife away, because he's the God of Hador, what happens? The Amikulim, the God of Everybody got rid of their wives. If, if the God of Hador gets divorced, then hey, there's, no, there's obviously no Busha. There's obviously no uh, taboo, right? You know? Obviously... I don't want to keep if if, if he he's got a long beard and he does he's getting divorced because he's worried about the decree of Pharaoh, who I, I'm gonna be have more amuna than the Russian than the God of Hador. so they all got divorced. So I'm a labita. So so his daughter says, Abba, Dad, Michel Paro, you you worse than Paro, you're worse than Paro, you think you're a tzaddik, you're worse than Paro. Paro just killed the boys, but the Jewish nation still continues because we go through the, through the girls. Right? So, okay, so we lost 50%. We lose the boys. But the girls still continue. If the girls, since the girls continue, the religion still goes on because now they marry uh, whoever they marry, but, but the kids are still Jewish. So this, this, you have the ability of a future. You, kill, you killed everybody. The Al-Nikavas, both men and women. So, so you know, you're, you're worse. You're, you're worse by not continuing the, the, Jew, the, the flow of the world without getting married post-World War II after everything going on, you know? After not, I, I mean, I could see people being... Being nervous if you, you know, you went through all sorts of calamities, you don't want to bring people into this world. I can understand that. Paro lo bolam haza, you know, Paro. Okay, so he made this world difficult. But ata gazarta haba. You're, you're not allowing for the Jewish nation to exist. You're not allowing people to, to do mitzvahs. Who's saying all this? This is par. This is Amram's daughter. This is Miriam. This is Moshe's sister, and Aharon's sister, who's saying, "You know, Dad, you're making a mistake." Now, I, it was really also. If you think about this, I, I hate putting things. I mean, I don't hate it. I like it actually. I like the idea of of looking at them as human beings. We're talking about how long ago was the Torah given? Anybody have any idea? Just, uh, just. It's good just to keep numbers in our brain. How long ago is this? Like 3,300 years ago, right? I don't think women or little girls had much input into the affairs of the Jewish, of of the leaders of the world 3,300 years ago. I, I just don't think so. But yet, you see over here that she's mamish running the show. And then he goes on and says... Paro, she says to the father, you know, Paro Harasha, evil Paro, who was really like Hitler, 
or Stalin, that whole group, I mean, he was in that group, he killed all the, I mean, that he killed all the boys, you know? He, self-exerosum is kayemes, you know, it could be that his gezer is going to have, you know, it's going to succeed by killing the boys. Self-exerosum is kayemes, maybe it won't. Because after all, God doesn't listen to what he, what he says. He's doing what he's doing, and of course, there's the philosophical question that how could he do something if God doesn't want it to be done and all that. But put that aside, he's a Russia, so he doesn't have a direct line to God, so to speak. But Atat Tzadik, you're a Tzadik. And therefore, Bavadik Zeroslam Miskayemis. So you're what you're screwed. We always say whatever Tzadik says, Hashem listens. Why do we go to, uh, there's two reasons actually, but why do we go to a Tzadik for a bracha? Why do we go to a Tzadik for a bracha? Somebody's sick. By the way, we should daven. Have in mind, we're going to learn for a guy who davens by upstairs, a big tzaddik. His name is Glenn Burns. You know Glenn? You know <coughs> I think so, yeah. Glenn. He sits in the front. Glenn's very sick. He's in the hospital. He had emergency surgery this week. His name is Gavriel Baruch Ben Sora Imenu. He's a big tzaddik. So, so... There are two reasons why do we die, why do we go for brachas? Why do we do that? One is because we believe that the tzaddik has a has a you know God listens you know he's got a direct connection he's got less less um, turbulence you know less static. Rabbi Arya Kaplan once told me that every time you do a mitzvah. What you're doing, in essence, is you're refining or, or um, clarifying the antenna system. You're, you know, you're sensitizing the antenna system. And when you're doing an avera, you're doing the opposite. He didn't say the avera; he said the positive. Ahmad. So at that moment, Ahmad behechsiras ishto. At that moment, he he immediately said, "You know what? You're right." And he remarries his wife. It's a big mitzvah to remarry your wife. The only thing is that there's one type of Jew who cannot remarry his wife. What kind is that? Kohen. Kohen can't do it. No? Kohen cannot remarry his wife. So if you're Kohen, you got to be more careful. Everybody else can just get divorced. No, don't do that. But, wow. <laughs> maybe you should take that off. I think that that's like... No, but, okay. but seriously, a Kohen cannot remarry his wife. You know? Now, a regular Jew, to be, to be clarified, if a regular Jewish person who's a non-Kohen gets divorced and his wife lives with somebody or I think it's married I don't know if it's just lives but let's at least go that if anything ever happened to anybody that you ever knew about they have to ask a shayla but if there's somebody in the middle over there then that's a problem and at that point everybody went everybody went and remarried their wives and everything started getting better again so it says over here, the Apostle says, V'yelech Yishbi Beis Levi. Somebody from the house of Levi went and married somebody from the house of Levi. Can I ask a question? Why does it say their names? Wouldn't you think that their names should be listed? I would think that, you know. They mention everybody's names, Moshe and Levi, right? 
Why isn't it in? Just curious why. It's a fair question. Yeah. I just know this is in Shaney. <laughs> of the question. I love it. Why, why do you think his name, the name's on it? Probably because it wasn't, it's an embarrassing thing that he did to separate from his wife. Rashi tells us, Gore tells us. Okay, yeah, okay. Okay, okay <laughs> so you're saying that it's a little bit of a, disp a negative thing. I don't know, but you might be right. I'm not, I'm not discounting that because maybe that is the a reason. Okay, okay. Give me another reason. Anyone could have a kid. Anyone could have a Moshe Rabbeinu, potentially. Just it's an anonymous anybody as opposed to, it's only because he was the oh, yeah. that's what we said. That's the primary. Judaism does not believe in the concept of, of, um, <coughs> System. It's like a class system where you have the leader, and Moshe Rabbeinu's kids did not become the leaders of Klal Yisrael, right? They did. There was a concern that if you, if if it, if it's apparent that the leader of Klal Yisrael, Moshe Rabbeinu, was born, what's that called? It's, no, no, not nepotism. Nepotism is good if they're good. No, I, I don't know. I, nep that's not nepotism. It's um, it's it's uh, kings. Kings have My a lineage? dynasty. Yeah. It's dynasty. Lineage, lineage or dynasty. It's dynasty. Yeah. You know, David HaMelech was David HaMelech. Yeah. And so part of Judaism believes very strong in that, right? Mashiach has to be from base David. It's a certain, that's the bracha. So, you know, so, you know, it has to be from base David. So you're going to say, so what happens if the king isn't so good? What happens? So that was the Shiloh, the Ramban, when, you know, the, the Maccabees were Kohanim. Do you know that? You all know that. So the Maccabees were Kohanim. They were not allowed to be the kings of Israel, but yet they made themselves the kings of Israel. And because of that, they were punished that there were no remnants. They all got killed. Eventually, they all were killed out. So the Ramban discusses it and says, but they were the best for the position. Like, so what do we do? We take Biden? That's not nice. But what, what do we do? You can take that off. We take Trump? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, but no, but so do, what do we do? We, we take somebody who's second, not as good, but because he's from the Shevet of Yehuda? The answer is yes, we do. But what we're supposed to do is have an advisory group of great sages and great people who tell the person from Shevet Yehuda, who's really not necessarily such a wise person or such a holy person, that this and this is what you're supposed to do. But there is a there is part of Judaism does believe in that idea of dynasty. No matter what you're going to do, if you're from Levi, you're not Mashiach. That's it. There's nothing to talk about. You have to be from Yehuda. And you have to be from Malchus, from, from the Shevet of, of David, I mean, from the Mishpacha of David HaMelech. By the way, just for the record, since we're talking off, the, we're just going off anyway, you know, Mashiach doesn't know that he's Mashiach until the moment that God wants it to be revealed. That's what Sam Sofer says, that he does not know he's Mashiach, you know, until that moment. So well, therefore, it could be. Me. It could be. It could be you. 
Anybody here, Levium? I want to know who's not going to be Mishnah. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, no, no. Okay, let's go Viter over here. Okay. Anybody have any feelings about this? Okay. Batahar Yisha, she got, she became pregnant. We don't believe in uh, immaculate conception. Batelid Ben, and she had a boy. But Tera also Kitovu, they saw that he was good. So the Gemara, you see, I'm, again, I'm, I'm, I'm showing off my expertise about knowing all the Talmud by heart. Uh, <clears throat> this happens to be from Sota Yotes, in case you want to test me on it. Sure, you know, just learn it. So, <laughs> that's, that's why. So, Everything's so, from Sota. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the Gemara says over here, Rabbi Meir says that his name was Tov. That was his name. It says that the God saw, it says, Atara Yisha, Batele Ben, Batero Sokitovu. God said that she, that she saw that he was good, right? That's his name, Tov. Rabbi Huda Omer, Rabbi Huda says that his name wasn't Tov, it was Tuvia. That was his name. Because from the name Tov. Rabbi Nechemia Omer, Rabbi Nechemia says, Hogon Linaviusu. That, which means that they saw that he was a such character that this baby could be a prophet in the future. I don't know how that works, but that's what they saw. Acherim Omer, you know who Acherim was? Acherim is Rabbi Meir. At least that's what it says uh, in, in Horius. But it's interesting because Rabbi Meir already says his name was Tov, so maybe it means others say. Shinolid Mol, that he was born with a, with a bris. It happens. My father was a Moel. And he once circumcised the, a baby in Deep River, Connecticut. You know those potato chips that says they're called Deep River? There really is a, a little town in Connecticut called Deep River. It's on the Connecticut River. And uh, he once got called to do a bris, and the baby was born without foreskin. That's like uh, considered a very big thing. So you take a drop of blood, but, but the point being... It's a sign of like a high, of a of a very pure type of person. Yeah. The whole house was full of light. He was a special kid. <coughs> he was special. By the time he was born, he was special. Yeah. So it says in the next post of Gimel, it says they'll be here below Yachlu Olatzbino. They couldn't keep him, they couldn't hide him anymore. Why couldn't they hide him? So Rashi tells us the famous story. We all know the famous Rashi. But it's again from the Gemara Sokka, but we'll read the Gemara. <coughs> Why couldn't they keep him any longer? What they did was, when any Egyptian, when they heard in the hospital that a baby was born, they would go and they'd make a little mark on the calendar. And they would bring Mamati and they bring a little Egyptian kid, smack him, according to the Medrash, you know, smack him, the baby starts crying. And, the ba- and when one baby starts crying, what happens? What happens to the house when one baby starts crying? They all start crying. So they couldn't keep a kid anymore. It was getting dangerous. So then we're going to skip in a little psukim over here. Okay. So now all of a sudden, so they put him on the river, 
in, in, in the in the in the in the boat. I'm going to read this to you because this is this is such an amazing line. I, every time I think about this line, I just it makes you really feel the pain of the mother. Listen to this. Melamed, this is also from the Melamed Sha'asasolo Imo, his mother, Yocheved, made Chupas Na'arim Beteva. She made a little baby, a little chupa in the boat, in the little, in the little basket. She put him in, and she put like a little chupa on top of him. Amra, she said, Shemelo Eske Bechupasal. I'm probably, I might not ever see him get married. I'm never going to go to his chuppah. So I'm going to put a little chuppah on top of his head now. That's like like the, the feeling of, of what Moshe, this is, now this is something that Moshe grew up with. Moshe, Moshe knows these stories, right? Moshe, this is in the family. People are talking about it. If it's in the chumash and it's in the mefarshim over here from the Gemara that she made a little chuppah for him, Right? You could see this in that conversation of what he was growing up with. And then now we're going to, all of a sudden, we're going to enter the story a little bit about Basi a little bit. Okay? So the, so the sister, she's sitting, and she's by the side of the river. Why is she by the side of the river? Because it says, Miriam, she was a prophetess. And she was telling everybody that I'm going to have a baby brother who's going to lead the Jewish people out of the world, you know, out of, out of Egypt. And all of a sudden, she has a baby brother, and light is all over the house, and everybody sees he's special, and she's feeling like, you know, the prophecy's coming true. But now we got ourselves a little problem because it looks like the baby's going to die. So she's sitting on the side of the river, Ladas Maya Basofa, to understand what's gonna be. At that point, Vatelid Baspar, just at that point. Now we have to remember that Paro is the the most powerful person in the world at that point. Okay, at time. And he has a daughter who has who, who has no kids. Very painful. Basia has no kids. According to one Medrash, I saw it over here in Medrash Rabo, it says that um, she had leprosy, and that's why she went to the river, because she was going to the river for the purpose of curing herself. The other, more literal interpretation is she was going there to purify herself from all the idolatry that was all around her. But she's clearly in pain. A father finds it very pain hard when their child is in a, lot of, in a lot of pain. And that's what's going on over here. We have Paro. He's got a daughter. Paro, the equivalent of Hitler, right? Hates Jews. He's killing them left and right, right? We don't say Hitler if we don't, if we don't want to use his name. So we could say Arafat. There's a lot of people, you know, Chmelnitsky. There are plenty of people that we could we could interpose. So it says, Okay, so she goes there on the river. And 
and she sees this little boat. She sees the boat. And she puts her hand out and her hand extends. Everybody knows that story. Everybody knows that story, right? What are the top, let's say, the top four stories that all kids know about? What are they? Let's go. Story number one is Paro's hand, Pasha's hand stretches a mile, right? Every kid knows that. Next one. There's a few ones. In Jewish history, there's a few ones. Whoa. Billum's talking donkey. Billum's talking donkey. I wasn't thinking about that, but yeah, Billum's talking donkey is a good one. Go ahead. What's the thing under your nose? The mouth pinches you, right? Every kid, everybody knows that story. Uh, and the there's two more big ones, I think. One is that uh, the the that the that the the idols were fighting with each other. Avram's idol, they're fighting, and Avram goes, and I'm not I'm sorry. And the biggest idol goes and beats up all the other idols, right? That that's uh, right, and then. Avram says, this is ridiculous. Obviously, this is ridiculous, people. And he gets thrown into the furnace because of that. And the other big one that no matter where you go is about the mountains. That Mount Sinai wasn't the biggest mountain. It was a little mountain, and it was humble, right? And because it was humble, right, that, that, you know. But let's start off. This is the basis of Judaism. She sticks her hand out. That's ridiculous. And I, mean, I mean, I shouldn't say it's not ridiculous. It's MS, but it's like, it's like, did she really think she was gonna, like, put? It doesn't work like that. But that's the answer. That's the answer. We don't care. We don't care. If we go through our history, that is the idea of Judaism. We just don't. We just don't. We don't follow the rules. We're outliners, right? We don't follow the rules. the rules. The rules are that you can't have a country with Israel in, 1946, in 1948 had 600,000 people, 640,000. I just looked it up today for some reason. 640,000 people surrounded by millions and millions and millions of hostile people and what kind of army did they have? What were they dealing with? They were dealing with Holocaust survivors. You know, what were they doing? They didn't have any weapons in, war, in, in 1948. There was a thing called, uh, maybe, do you know that they used to drop, instead of bombs, they didn't have bombs, right? No. So what did they drop? Effective ones, just noisemakers. What did they use? Uh, seltzer bottles. <laughs> They dropped yeah. seltzer bottles from the plane. They had little Piper Cub planes. They dropped seltzer bottles because when you drop a seltzer bottle, it makes a lot of noise. That's what they were doing. That's crazy. That's crazy, but we don't care. We don't care. We stick our hand out, and we don't give in. We don't surrender. We just don't. It's not part of Judaism. We just we don't follow... I mean, when you think about it, the whole story of David HaMelech, you know, we think of David HaMelech and he's the greatest king and he is, you know, he starts the Davidic dynasty. But if you think about it in a, in a more militaristic point of view, this other guy who was a seasoned 
giant, right? He was he was a giant, and he was full of armor. And this little guy's got a, a little stone and a little slingshot. It's ridiculous. But we don't go by that. We don't care. So what happens? She says she names him. What does she say? She says, Kimin Hamayim. You go a little bit further. She calls him. Okay, and this is where we're going to talk after a bit. Okay, it says over here. Okay, one second. Yeah. Yeah, it's in Pasagud. Vayigdal Hayelet. And the boy got older. They brought him to the house of Paro. And he was like adopted. He's called Moshe, which is an Egyptian name. Because he was saved. Keep that in your mind. I want to just read this quickly. This medrash. Okay. It's a famous medrash, but we're going to just read it here. It was 12, for 24 months he was nursed. And then, when he was, after 24 months, it says that he got old, he, he grew up and he was brought to the house of Paro. That's not normal. 24 months is not such a big kid. It's okay, he, he was greater than most people. He grew like supernaturally. And Basparo, this woman, kissed him and hugged him and took care of him like it was his own child. And he did not leave the palace of the king at all. Why? He was so handsome that everybody would see him and they would just focus on him. And Paro would kiss him. And the Paro would hug him. Right? And remember, Paro is the evil, but he's the leader of the, of the world. He takes this kid in. What happens then? We know the famous story. Little Moshe goes and takes the crown of Paro and puts it on his head. That's what he does. At that point, it says over here, it says that the Khatume Mitzrayim which means all the wise men of Egypt, they said, we're afraid that this guy, this kid, who just took your crown and put it on his head, we're worried. Maybe this, little, this kid, maybe he's the one who's going to end up being the problem and taking over, right? He could be the one. So therefore, there were those that said, kill him. Yisro Yosef ben Yisro. Talk about the irony. Yisro, who ends up being the father-in-law of Moshe, he's sitting there and he says, this kid's got no brains. What, what, are, you, what are you doing? You're going to kill this kid? Kid's got no brains. You know what? He kills this kid and he's going to have his daughter sitting at his house for the rest of his life. That, that's really what's going on over here, but he doesn't realize it. 
It's amazing how that happens. But and Yisrael, and so at that point he said, you know, make that uh, make that test and see what happens with the with the coal on one side and the gold and rubies on the other side. And we all know the measure says that Yisrael was going, the little baby Moshe was going for the gold and the and the rubies, and Gavriel pushes his hand over to the to the coal, and then he becomes tongue-tied because of that. All Moshe's life, he's growing up with the name Moshe. Moshe was an Egyptian name. It's not a normal name. And all Moshe's life, he's being told. You know why your name is Moshe? Who are you named after Moshe? What does Moshe mean? I never heard the name Moshe. It's a strange name, Moshe. It's not a Hebrew name. Where'd you get that name from, Moshe? All Moshe's life, he's in class. What's your name, Moshe? What does Moshe mean? Who was Moshe? Was that your grandfather? What kind of name is Moshe? Right? That's what it is. It's like imagine you're—I don't know—you're you're in Israel and your name is uh, your name is St- uh, Stephen. What is Stephen? What does Stephen mean? They don't know. You know, like what what what's going on over here? And what does Moshe say? I was saved because my, they put me in a little basket because Paro wanted to kill me, even though I was the royal prince of, of Egypt. However, I was supposed to be killed. But there was this non-Jewish woman who took me and puts me into this, you know, who saves me out of the basket. And she names me Moshe. And God said to my mother and father that although you have ten, your son has ten names, Yekutiel and Moshe and all these names, I'm only going to use the name Moshe because of this very nice lady who's not Jewish, who's not Jewish, who saved you. So Moshe's walking around his whole life feeling, feeling like a survivor, that he has a purpose. He has a purpose in life. That's what Beryl Wein said. Beryl Wein said that, you know, when he was in Yad Vashem and he was looking at all the baby's shoes, and there's a, in the Yad Vashem building, they, they mention the name of many, many people. It's like there's a, an audio track that has little, the names of lots of kids that were killed. And he said that, in a way, he thought his name, he thought he heard his name, you know? Mm-hmm. And he looked around and he said, you know, if God placed me in Chicago, Illinois, and I grew up watching the White Sox. I never watched the White Sox. But if, he, if, they, if God placed me in an environment to watch the White Sox, it means I'm a survivor. There's a reason for my existence. There's a reason. I have a purpose. That's what Moshe understood. It's unbelievable. Moshe understood. I wanted to talk tonight about why people convert how do you make the Kiddush Hashem? Because it's all from, it's, yes, there is an element that people who convert basically feel that they always wanted to be Jewish or they want to be Jewish or they feel connected. That's all true. But when it comes to educating non-religious Jews, and I have to believe that it's the same with converts, that the reason people go off the derech is not because of a philosophical question, it's because of Chil Hashem. It's because of hypocrisy. And, and the way to bring people back is the opposite, the Kiddush Hashem. You know? 
But that's what Moshe was. I just wanted to really like harp on that a little bit. He was a survivor. We're survivors. We have purpose. Now the world wants to make us think that we have no purpose. And the world wants to make us feel insignificant. <coughs> and the yeshivas want us, they don't mean it on purpose, but it turns out that we feel like we're <coughs> not capable to really do things for the cloud sometimes. But the bottom line is, that's why we, everybody's got their story. I'm sixth generation American. Everybody has a story. Everybody's got stories. We all survived. And that's how we're like Moshe, you know? He had a great story. You can imagine him sitting around telling everybody, I was in that boat, a little cat in a little boat, and this lady stuck her hand out, and it stretched a mile, and the kids are saying, really? And there's, you know, but that's what happened. That's what happened. All right. Anybody have anything they want to add or anything? Okay. That's what I thought it would be a good idea. Hope you enjoyed it. Sure. 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 Sure.